Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. All right, before we get into, if you're reading this, it's too late, chapter 32, because remember, we're counting backwards. We're going to read a very special review. Can I show you which one? We're going to give somebody a shout out. It's the one that says this one right here. Can I show you? No, tell me. It's that one. I don't know, honey. I have to look at it. I, well, I don't I don't have the memories, honey. It's this one, right in the middle with the, with the hearts. You could have said with the hearts. What? Okay. I don't have them memorized. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Best mind, best, and it says best, um, comma, mind-blowing podcast. <gasps> they, That's so nice. They gave us a five-starring review, and it says it was made, they gave it to us on March 13th. 2020, 22. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then Thank Princess you, Girl. <laughs> Princess Rose 46732. Okay. What's okay. it say? Best podcast ever. I listen to it every night. <gasps> I never stop watching. Oh my god. I think she means listening. Same thing. Well, she's probably watching her film while she's listening to it. <gasps> oh. That is so every night. That is incredible. So Princess Rose, and then thank you. No, we're just doing one at a time. I know, I know. I was, I, oh, yeah. Hold okay. On. Hold on, I have to, I have to count. I'm sorry. No, we're not going to count. Just say mm. a lot of hearts. A lot of hearts. And like there's red, orange, yellow, and then like a couple. There's like three greens. Yes. So shout out to Princess Rose. We just want to thank you so much for leaving a review. It helps us be bumped up and be more seen. And the more reviews we have, the more we'll be seen. And then we can just do more and more episodes, huh, Pei? Mm-hmm. And I'm maybe we can upgrade to, like, actual good microphones, huh? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can I say something? Sure. I actually just noticed. I, I'm sorry. I lied. It, I just noticed it said more, and then I, I tapped it, and it said, and then it showed more hearts. And there's more than just three green. Oh, wow. And then there's blue, purple, and pink hearts with um the shimmer oh my goodness okay let me see that girl that is so cool well thank you we're really grateful we appreciate you guys taking the time to to leave a review we are so grateful okay on to if you're reading this this is too late the secret series by pseudonymous bosch and this is book two chapter 32 the nuts table the what table? Nuts table. You know how like at school you can't have nuts because everybody's allergic? Okay, the XXX school, city of XX, XXX, lunchtime. Remember, he can't say. I'm sorry, I still cannot tell you the name of Cass's school or where the school is located or what it looked like or almost really anything about it. Of course, I trust you, but there's always a possibility that though no fault of your own, You will toss this book out the window and it will fall into the wrong hands. I can tell you this. It was a school that lived by strict rules. There were, oops, sorry guys. There were, first of all, the principal Miss Johnson's rules, which were strict enough. 
but usually understandable, like no skateboarding in the hallway, for example, or no wearing your underpants outside of your clothes. But there are also many other rules, unspoken rules, that were made by nobody in particular, and that made no sense at all. I hate those kind of rules. Oh, yeah. It makes me not want to follow them, because I'm like, that's an old rule that shouldn't even be a rule anymore. It's okay, just a rule. Can I say something? If you hurry. Okay. So, um, one of my um yard duties mm-hmm. at school. Her name is Miss Dusty. Yeah. She gives out candies. That's why she was my favorite um guard yard duty. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, she was really mean to me a couple days ago <gasps> because she when I was putting away my lunch pail next to our classes. So the classes like are far away from the playground, and then so when I was putting away um, my lunch pail because I was right like af- it was after lunch, okay. Miss Miss Dusty came over and made everybody that was over there go to the circles for five minutes, even though we were just putting our lunch pails away. Mm-hmm. Well, move on. Let's move on. That was a couple days ago. Let's move on. Let's get back to the story, Queen. Okay, yeah. There were so many other unspoken rules that made by nobody in particular, and that made no sense at all. One of those pointless rules that you was that you ate at lunch at the same table with the people every day. If you changed tables, it could mean that it could mean you were in a fight or something truly drastic had happened. The lunch tables were clustered outside of the part of school of the schoolyard and known as the grove, even though there weren't any trees nearby. At the center table sat Amber and her friends. Amber, you may remember, was the nicest girl in school and the third prettiest. At least that's what everybody said. The other table spread out from there, like, a, like planets orbiting a sun. Max, Ernest, and Cass, I am sorry to report, did not did little to rebel against this system. In fact, their table was located in front of the very outermost fringes of the grove it was so well known that it had a name the nuts table the name didn't make any sense said max Ernest, as he complained every day it should be the no nuts table since it's for the kids with nut allergies i think people at the nuts table sound sound funnier said cast but then she stopped in a sort of full explanation if max Ernest didn't understand that the other students thought that the kids were at the nuts table were, well, nuts, then good for him. Cass had no allergies herself, nonetheless. Her diet was very restricted because she saw lunch as her part of her survival training. And every day she ate, oh, no, every day she ate what? This is what it says. Everything she ate, oh yeah, okay. Every, that it said every day everything she ate had to be capable of lasting for months without spoiling whether in an underground bunker or an outer space escape pod this was fresh fruit was prohibited but fruit roll-ups were permissible sandwiches were out but cup of noodles was okay trail mix was the most ideal food of all it was a whole meal in one today however Cass hesitated before digging into her trail mix a handwritten note was sitting on top Today, however, Cass hesitated before digging it out of her trail mix. A handwritten note was... Oh, jeez, Louise, I just read that. 
Cass grimaced in annoyance. She hated it when her mother put notes in her lunch. It was so embarrassing, not to mention the notes usually consisted of not very fun things that Cass was supposed to do or remember. She pushed the note back into her reusable waterproof lunch sack. She would read it later. Maybe. Uh, I hope she reads a letter later because it's probably not from her mom. Unlike Cass, Max Ernest whew, did have several nut allergies to which he was n which nuts he was never sure of as well as a host of other food related ailments but what was more to more remarkable was that he brought two lunches to school one by made by his mother and one made by his father he was highly careful to eat the same amount from each max Ernest's parents were divorced and everything in his life was doubled or divided when Cass first visited the house, she couldn't believe it. The house was split down the middle, each side designed and decorated for differently, with neither parent ever stepping onto the other parent's side. Today, he didn't seem to be in a hurry to eat either of his lunches. So, I learned a new trick. Want to see? He asked. Oh, already, already laying out his playing cards. It's called Four Brothers. Max Ernest had been reading up on magic for several months now. Not just how-to books, but also histories and biographies of famous magicians. Every time Cass saw him, he had a new story about an Indian sword swallower or a 19th century flea circus or an essay on the first time a magician made an elephant disappear. For today's trick, Max Ernest removed four of removed the four jacks from his deck and fanned them out in front of Cass. See? See these four jacks? They're brothers and they don't like being separated. He gathered up the jacks and placed them in different, different places in the deck, separating them, or seeming to. He cut the deck. Now, watch as all the jacks come back together. He rifled through the deck and showed her how they'd move next to each other, or seem to. How about that? He was getting better and better, thought Cass, but not, much, but not that much better. It didn't help that Max Ernest had a, had a big pimple on the tip of his nose. Between the pimple and his spiky hair, each strand always cut exactly the same length. He looked more like a hedgehog than a magician. Pretty good, said Cass, diplomatically. But I think I've seen this trick before, only with kings. And they weren't brothers, they were friends. That doesn't make any sense. Four kings would never be friends. They would be rivals fighting over their kingdom. And even if they weren't fighting, I doubt that they would have many friends. It's not very realistic. Cass was about to point out that some brothers could be rivals like Pietro and Dr. L. They were twins, but they were also moral, mortal enemies. At the same time, plenty of people had four friends or even more. Amber, for instance. Amber considered herself to be friends with their entire school. But Cass decided not to say anything. You had to choose your battles with Max Ernest. Otherwise, you would be arguing all day. Besides, neither of them had very many friends in that respect. He was correct. In fact, she was Max Ernest's only friend. And as much as she hated to admit it, he was her only friend as well. Unless you counted the classmate, Benjamin Blake. But his parents had to put a special put him in a special school this year and he'd never said that never said that much anyways at least you could understand well i still wish you would concentrate on training for the tercis society instead of magic tricks she said 
We don't even know what we're training for, said Max Ernest, a little exasperated. Besides, Pietro was a magician, magician, wasn't he? You mean he is? He's still alive, remember? Well, we don't know that for sure. Somebody else might have written a letter who had the same initials, or who, who, who was pretending to be him. Or maybe, or maybe he died after writing it. I mean, it's been four months. Why hasn't the Tercis Society contacted us again? Even if Cass gave him a look, she hated it when he suggested Pietro might be dead, or that the Tercis Society might not exist. She spent too much time preparing to contemplate such a thing. The letter said that Owen would come and get us, and he will, she said with more confidence than she felt. Owen was the man who helped rescue them from the clutches of the Midnight Sun. He had a habit of switching identities, so for months, Cass and Max Ernest had scrutinized every, every face they encountered, but they never... Oops, did I just pull that off here? No. But they... Sorry, single false... Uh, Casamax Ernest scrutinized every face they encountered, but they never detected a single false mustache or fake accent, or even a suspicious car or accident. Owen was a terrible driver. Well, maybe he's already come, said Max Ernest, feeling of offered, oh my god, conciliatorily, oh my god. All right, we're pausing. Let's see how to say this word. This is cheating. It doesn't even say the real word. It says a part of it. Hold on. Conciliate. Conciliatorily. That's it. Conciliatorily. That is a that is a hard word. Conciliatorily. Conciliate. Okay, conciliatorily. All right, now I know. Okay, well, let's just say that. Well, maybe he already came, Mac, Max Ernest offered conciliatorily. But he was, but he was like an abduction. But it was like an abduction. Actually, let's go see what that word means. To overcome the distrust or animosity, to appease, to regain or retry regain. Okay, to make attempt to make compatible. Okay, so he's saying it in like a trying to be trying to be friends. Like okay, let's let's agree on this. But it was like an abduction. We actually took our oaths under hypnosis, and now we're operating in under secret instructions. Cass laughed. If nothing, Max Ernest was always willing to consider the possibilities. Was that funny? He asked in surprise. Cass nodded. He grinned. How about that? To Cass, uh, to Cass's jargon, um, to Cass's jargon, where am I? Hold on, Peyton. I lost myself. To Cass's truck and Max Ernest's magical aspirations had done nothing to diminish his previous, even more unlikely desire to be a stand-up comedian. Is that from your mom, said Max Ernest, changing the subject? He was looking at the note, still sticking halfway out of her lunch bag. Irritated, Cass pulled it out. This is what it said. Cass, here's the grocery list for tomorrow. Meat, no need for A quality. Duck. Three, tell the bookshare you owe, he'll understand. Twelve potatoes, mashed, peanut butter, mother. Now that she was looking at the note, it seemed strange for Cat to cast for several reasons. 
First, her mother had gone to the grocery store yesterday. Second, they'd never had a duck in her house, let alone three. Third, her mother always bought potatoes whole, then mashed them at home. Cass wasn't even sure if she could buy pre-mashed potatoes if you wanted to. Fourth, her mother never signed notes, mother. Usually, she just signed M. If she was feeling especially loving or playful, she might write mommy. Sometimes when she wrote, wanted to show Cass that she was treating her like a grown-up, she'd signed it Mel. But mother? Not that Cass could remember. Oh my gosh. It's Pietro. And he's been trying, and he's trying to be like his mother. Yeah. A little <laughs> feeling of excitement started tingling in her toes, bubbled through her stomach, and then burst out of her mouth. Hey, look at this, she whispered Wait. to Max Ernest. It's from them, I know it. It's in code. I can... You believe they got it into my lunch? It was only in my locker for an hour. Do you think Owen was here right now? She looked around, and the only person she didn't recognize was an Asian boy sitting on the table next to her, plugging his guitar into a little portable amplifier. A frown appeared on Max Ernest's face as he studied the note. What, you don't think it's in code? It has to be. It has to be. It definitely is not for my mom. No, I agree. It looks like it's in code. It's just kind of weird. Ser oh my gosh, these words. Surreptitiously, Max Ernest pulled out what looked like a game player of some kind from his pocket, sent to him by Pietro. The handled device was actually an ultra decoder too, specially designed for decrypting codes that it contained over a thousand languages and even more secrets than its memory. Holding a grocery list under the table, Max Ernest pointed to the decoder and scanned it. I don't know. The decoder isn't picking up anything, he whispered. If it's a code, there's no system to it. What are you doing? No. Cast, Peyton Jane? Cast sighed. Could it be the note from her mother after all? The Skelton sisters gave it to me as a prize when I joined the Skelton 100, says a, sh a familiar sugary voice. It was Amber walking by with her friend Veronica, the second prettiest girl in school and not even the fourth of, or fifth nicest. As far as Cass knew, neither girls had turned 13, but somehow over the summer they'd aged by several years. It was the glittery, glittery makeup Cass decided. She couldn't believe that Miss Johnson let them wear it. Never mind their mothers in the tight clothes. Amber held up her sparkling pink cell phone decorated with big red heart. The ringtone automatically changes to a new Skeleton Sister song each time, she bragged loudly enough so the entire schoolyard could hear. So I'll know by all the songs I'll know all the songs by the time I go to the concert. So if I get uh if I get in, it's almost sold out. Romy and Montana Skelton were teenage twins who'd risen to fame on a television and video. Oh. And now commanded a vast commercial empire, Twin Hearts Incorporated, that produced everything from fuzzy big pink backpacks to stinky sticks of lip gloss. Cass had a particular hatred for them, partially because Amber had a particular love for them. Here, listen. Amber started pressing the button on her phone, but before she could make it ring, the schoolyard was filled with the sounds of feedback and the twisting and sliding whine of an electric guitar. 
It was the boy at the table next to them, channeling Jimi Hendrix. Cass laughed out loud. The timing was perfect, perfect, interrupting Amber just as she was about to subject them all to some awful skeleton sister song. She looked over at the young guitarist. He was strumming and starting to start staring out into space as if he were alone in a garage and not in a school with hundreds of other people. He was tall for his age and he had a thick mop of long black hair that fell over his eyes. He wore he wore bright green tennis shoes and a t-shirt bearing the words alien earache. We rock so hard they hear it on Mars. I bet that's the new kid from Japan, Cass said to Max Ernest. Remember Miss Johnson made that announcement? Cass laughed, meanwhile, had not gone unnoticed by Amber. Hey, Cass, are you okay? asked Amber, stopping at Cass's table, but not without taking a look at the guitar player first. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, good, said Amber sweetly. I was worried that maybe that guitar hurt your ears. No, said Cass. Like, where was Amber headed? I just thought that they would be really sensitive because they're so, you know. No, we don't know, said Max Ernest hotly. Her ears are totally normal, Amber. She hears the same stuff you do. Cass's ears, as everyone knew, were a sore subject for Cass. Not only were they big and pointy like an elf, they also tended to turn bright red when she was upset or angry or embarrassed or in any way upset. Or when people talked about them. At the moment, they were turning a violent shade of scarlet. Oh, hi, Max Ernest, said Amber, as if he'd only just seen them. I totally didn't mean it as an insult, but they're, but it's so sweet. But the way you defend her, are you guys like a couple now? Max Ernest choked on two identical carrot sticks he was eating, and then he turned very pale. Amber glanced cov covertly, covertly at the guitar player to see if he was still talking. He was still taking this all in. He didn't seem to be. We are not a couple, said Cass calmly as she could. Considering so much blood was rushing to their, her ears, it felt like a firestorm. The difference was she had an abesto blanket to ward off the real firestorm. Oh, that's too bad. You guys make such a cute couple, said Veronica. Come on, Anne stifling laughs they sauntered away sorry i forgot to check the volume yo he said the guitar player sounding decidedly un-japanese he reached down to disconnect the instrument from his amplifier and turn his head towards the nuts table i heard the girl amber was the nicest girl in the school didn't really seem like that yeah it's kind of funny huh stammered Cass, trying to get over her ears get her ears with her hair which is very difficult to do because her hair was braided anyways don't worry about it I thought your playing was she looked for the word cool thanks he said with a big smile I'm Yoji you know the new guy yeah we kind of guessed said Cass desperately hoping her ears were turning back to normal you can call me Yo Yo Yoji if you want that's what my friends call me um okay uh Yo Yoji I hate to break it to you, but you have a little more apologizing to do. She nodded to the principal who was striding across the yard in Yoji's direction, her big yellow hat flapping with each step. Yoji made a face of exaggerated fear. Uh, oh well, well, it was nice knowing you, or nice, or nice meeting you, or whatever.
Yeah, nice to meet you too. Oh, I forgot. I'm Cass and this is Max Ernest. Say hi to Max. Say hi, Max Ernest. She tugged on her friend's sleeve. Hi, Max Ernest, said Max Ernest, who'd been stewing in, to in tormented silence ever since Amber and had asked if her and Ka he and Cass were a couple. Before Yo-Yoji could reply, Miss Johnson arrived to the table. Up, she said. Now march. She pointed into the direction of her office. Yo-Yoji shrugged and headed off to off guitar on his back. Cass watched him go, wondering how this new unexpected element was might change the carefully controlled social environment of their school. Did she need to take any precautions? Suddenly, Max Ernest sat very straight. That's it. What? said Cass, distracted. Me. Look at the note. It says meet. M-E-A-T. No need for A quality. What does that mean? No letter for A. M because meet means meet with an E. So we have to meet somewhere. I knew it, said Cass, forgetting all about Amber and Yo-Yoji and her ears being red. What about the next line? Duck three. The butcher you owe. The butcher you owe. Max Ernest finished for her. Well, that could be about the letters, too, If I guess, if you want to make the letter U with Owens. So meet Doc 3, Max Ernest nodded. The rest is easy. Twelve potatoes means must be 12 p.m. and peanut butter must be PB, Pietro Bergamo. How about that, said Max Ernest. But I still think it's weird that we didn't use, that we, interesting, how come the decoder didn't pick it up? I still think it's weird that he didn't use more of a normal code. There's not even really a key. So you figure it out anyways, just like you I, you knew you would. Max Ernest nodded, smiling. And he wrote the decoded message next to the grocery list. Meet Doc 3, 12 p.m. Pietro Bergamo. Man, they're meeting at a dock. <laughs>